Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. The uh, Rambam wrote in Sefer HaMitzvah, the Rambam was not the first and he was not the last. He lists off what he considers the 613 mitzvahs. He lists off first uh, the 248 mitzvahs assay, then the 365 mitzvahs lois assay. The Ramban disagrees with the details of the counting of the Rambam. <coughs> And here and there he deletes some of the mitzvahs that the Rambam included and he has to replace them with other mitzvahs because the Gemara says you have to have 248 mitzvahs say, 365 mitzvahs loises. So the Ramban, in the list of the mitzvahs that he thinks the Rambam forgot to count, uh, lists off a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael. He quotes Psukim at the end of Chomish Ban Midbar that we have a mitzvah we have a mitzvah to establish a Jewish government in all of Eretz Yisrael and we should live in Eretz Yisrael. <coughs> so the question is why the Ramam didn't count that mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael. So the uh, Knesset Hagadol writes the reason why the Ram didn't count it because he, the first half of the Sefer Mitzvah the Ramam has his 14 klolim, the 14 guiding principles that determine whether any given mitzvah belongs in the Minyan Mitzvah. So the Rambam's uh, klal is that you only include mitzvahs that are biblical. Tariyag mitzvahs, Nebalala Moshe Misinai. Moshe Rabbeinu was told that Harsinah, the mitzvah is there, I said. The mitzvah to live in Eretzel is only a mitzvah mid uh, This suggestion that the Knesset gives, Knesset is one of the major poskim, this has not been accepted by uh, the overwhelming majority of the later poskim. They assume that it's not correct. The Ramam also agrees that there's a mitzvah in our to live in Eretzel, but the Ramam thinks that it's included in some other mitzvah. Maybe the Ramam thinks that the mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael enhances each, each other mitzvah. When you observe Shabbos in Eretz Yisrael, it enhances Shabbos. When you wear tefillin in Eretz Yisrael, it's an enhancement of the mitzvah of tefillin. So it doesn't really belong as a mitzvah b'fnei atzma. It's just a, a prat within every mitzvah, like the Ramban himself writes on Chumash. Ramban writes that uh, when we observe Shabbos and Kashvis and Taras HaMashpach in Eretz Yisrael, that's the main mokim, the main place for Shmiras Kolam mitzvah really is in Eretz Yisrael. So maybe that's what some uh, Farshim say, the Ramah didn't count the mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael because uh, he thinks it's a chilek of every other mitzvah. Others, others say that it's a mitzvah, part of the mitzvah of Osidbok, we should become closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the way to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu <coughs> is by living in Eretz Yisrael. Different explanations. The... Uh, when you look in a big Sefer Mitzvah, so the standard commentary on the side is the Megillah Sester. Um, it was written by a man. His mother, Esther, passed away. So right as he was going to print, so he wanted to memorialize his mother, so he called it Megillah Sester. And he comes to defend the Ramah. Why the Ramah didn't count the Mitzvah? So he gives a different explanation. Uh, he writes that... Um, The Rambam listed also in the 14 guiding principles. The Rambam writes that a mitzvah only belongs in the minyan mitzvah, only belongs here if it's a mitzvah hanahegis ledoris. If it's a hirasha, only applies in one generation, then it's not called a mitzvah. Rashi quotes from the Tanoim on the opening Pasig and Parsha Sabe, Loshin Sabe, Loshin Ziris Miyada ledoris. A mitzvah is a technical term, it means an obligation that's binding throughout all the future generations. So this mitzvah. All of a sudden, Megillah says, this, this mitzvah of establishing a Medina, we weren't talking about establishing, we are talking about living in Eretz Yisrael. So it's the mitzvah to establish a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael is not Noeg Ladoris, because the Gemara in the end of Ksubis quotes the Pesach from Shir Hashirim, that appears three times in Shir Hashirim, 
Ishbati Eschem and Osir Shalayim. That Shalosh Shavuos is Yibiyah Kodesh Bocha Yisrael. Hakodesh Bocha had the Jewish people take three oaths, and one of them is we're not going to force the issue of establishing a Medina. That's the famous Shalosh Shavuos when uh, when um, the Zionist movement began years ago, way before 1948. So some of the Rabbanim were opposed, the minority of the Rabbanimists, that they just made, they made so much noise, you, they get the impression. Like the Turakata used to take out full page ad in the New York Times, you would think, me, are there how many people there are in Turakata? Four and a half people, the whole Turakata. <laughs> but they make so much noise, and now they can't afford the full page ad anymore, so they don't have a little ad. That they're, they're opposed to, whenever they have the Israeli parades, so they're opposed to Hakam Samdin, they're opposed to everything. So, so, so a minority of the Rabbanim said that the, the Torah, the Jewish position, is against establishing a Medina because of the Shalosh The HaKadosh Baruch had the Jewish people take an oath that we're not going to force the issue, we're not going to force against the wishes of the Goyim, we're not going to force a Medina. So the Megillah Esther understood that the Ramban is asking on HaKomas on Medina. Why the Ramadin count the mitzvah of establishing a Jewish government in Eretzisra? That's a mistake. The Rambam did count that mitzvah. That there wasn't the Hasog of the Ramban. The Rambam quotes the Gemara. You look in the Rambam in the beginning of Hilchas Malachim. The Rambam quotes the Gemara in Sanhedrin from the second parak in Sanhedrin, where the Gemara says, "Gimel mitzvah When the Jewish people entered Eretz they became obligated to fulfill three mitzvahs in a specific order. First is. Um, to establish a Jewish government over all of Eretz Yisrael. It's not enough just that we'll live in Eretz Yisrael. It's a mitzvah that Eretz Yisrael should be under Jewish control with the Jewish government. Then to wipe out Amalek, whoever they are. Then to build a base on Migdosh. So the Ramah did count the mitzvah of Samadina. Rabzalvechik has in one of his famous essays, he writes that uh, sometimes history shows which way we pass them. Some the Hashgachim and Hashamayim show. So he says, Hashgachim and Hashamayim. In 1948, they established a Medina, so that indicates the Men Hashamayim, they pass them like the Ramban, that there is a mitzvah of Hakam Samdina. But it's not the Ramban. The Ramam also said there's a mitzvah to establish a Medina. The whole issue between the Ramam and the Ramban is, Ramban says that there's a separate mitzvah in addition to the mitzvah establishing a Jewish government in Eretz Yisrael. There's a mitzvah we should all live in Eretz Yisrael. The Ramam also agrees. The Pashtun says that it's an Adin Menatur. Not like the Knesset Agdala said, the Ram holds that it's only Rabban. The Ramam agrees that it's a Menatur, but for some reason or another, he thinks that it's included in some other mitzvah. It's a mitzvah Klolis. It's not that the Ramam disagrees. So this, this Megillah Sester, Megillah Sester always comes to defend the Ram. If you look, those who study the Mishnah Torah, the Ramam, so the Migdalois uh, on the bottom of the page always comes to defend the Ramam. So whenever the Ravid asks Kashas against the Ramam, the Ramam is against the Gemara, black and white against the Gemara, Migdalois always right. No, the Ramam is right. The Ramam is always right. Every time the Ramam is right. How can it be? So Megillah says to also, yes, no, the Ramam is right. So sometimes he'll be, he gives a good explanation. Sometimes not so good. Sometimes a big dochik. So here, the Megillah Sester is the first one who made a big fuss about the Shalosh Shavuos. Later, later, in the First World War, when the Zionist movement became stronger in Europe and so on, so the Minkacha Rebbe was the main uh, opponent to Zionism. He, everything was based on this Megillah Sester, the Shalosh Shavuos. The, the, the poskim don't quote the Shalosh None of the poskim. The Ramam Shulchan Nobody quotes the Shalosh It's an Agarita. We're not sure exactly what it means. 
But uh, that was the Megillus Esther, was the one who, who put this on the map. The Shalosh Vuas, and you're not allowed to establish a Medina against the wishes of the Umas Oil. It's uh, interesting. After the, after the First World War was over, and they divided uh, parts of Europe, among the, after the war was over, and they divided parts of Europe. So uh, the British agreed that they're going to give Palestine to the Jewish people. They said uh, the Balfour Declaration. So the Osamech wrote a letter at that time after San Roman. San Roman was a city where they signed the peace agreement, I think, after the First World War. So after San Roman, so Sor Pachadashvuz. We don't have to be worried anymore about the Shalashvuz because it's not against the wishes of the Umasalem. All the Umasalem agreed that they're going to give uh, Palestine to the Jewish people, part of Palestine to the Jewish people. So I'll call upon him this. Everybody agrees to this. There's an interesting tshuva in Abdenezer. Abdenezer was a chesidish rebbe who died about a hundred years ago. So they asked him, uh, the wording of the Shaila was, is there a mitzvah to live? Is there a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael? And if there is, how come the Gedolei HaChasidus didn't move to Eretz Yisrael? Because he was a chesidish rebbe. So he says, absolutely, there is a mitzvah. And he rips apart everything the Megillah says to right? So he says, Megillah says to misunderstood the Ramban, misunderstood the whole thing. And he said, there certainly is a mitzvah. How come the Gedolei HaChasidus didn't go? So he says, the real mitzvah is Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, not just Yeshiva Be Eretz Yisrael, not just to live in Eretz Yisrael. To do something productive, someone's going to have a farm and he's going to plant, someone's going to pave highways, someone's going to do security, someone's going to be in the army, someone's going to be in politics, going to do something to build up the country. The Chesidish Rebbe's, uh, over a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, they moved to Eretz Yisrael, their Hasidim would certainly support them. They would send money from Chutzlor. They would be living in Eretz Yisrael. They wouldn't accomplish anything for the country. They wouldn't be working with their Hasidim. So they would have Yeshiva of Eretz Yisrael, but they wouldn't have Yeshiv Haaretz. Yeshiv Haaretz means to do something productive. So the mitzvah would only be Shalob Bishlei Musa. So that's why they chose to live in Chutzlor, to have a Hashpo on their Balabat. I don't know, he didn't really have to go so far. We have in the days of the Gemara, Rabbi Shmuel learned in Eretz Yisrael and Rab got smicha from Rabbi Yudah Nasi and Shmuel didn't get smicha and then they both left Eretz Yisrael in order to establish yeshivas and chutz l'aretz <coughs> so you see from the Gemara that uh, even though there's certainly they were living in Eretz Yisrael there's a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael but if you have to do habatz and satar and chutz l'aretz you move to chutz l'aretz so they used to say for years that anyone who's in Rabbonus or in Chinuch in, in chutz l'aretz is fighting assimilation and fighting intermarriage and they're not allowed to go to Eretz Yisrael. They used to have a lotion that it's like uh, the captain of the ship is not allowed to leave until all the passengers are taken care of and the general in the army is not allowed to leave until he wins the battle. He's not allowed to leave in the middle so the Rabbonim are like the captain of the ship and the general in the army. So I used to laugh in my heart, was Hakta Chinik about the captain of the ship and the, where did he get such a lotion from? So then years, years later I saw that, uh, I don't think Rav Soloveitchik saw it there. I saw that Rav Kook had arranged, when Rav Kook was the first chief rabbi of Eretz he arranged that Rav Chaim Moses should move to Eretz Yisrael. And uh, Rav Chaim Moses was in Vilna, and he had an apartment for him, and he had a parnos, and he had a title. Rav Kook was going to be the chief rabbi of Eretz Yisrael, and Rav Chaim Moses was going to be Reish Kobanei HaGoyla. That was going to be his official title, Reish Kobanei HaGoyla. Chief rabbi of the world. Rav Kook was going to be chief rabbi of Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi is the chief rabbi of the rest of the world. And then the last minute, Rabbi Chaim backed out and he sent him a letter 
that the Rabbanim in Vilna say that they still need me there, so I'm not allowed to leave. And he quotes a tshuva from the Maharam Shik. Maharam Shik was a student of the Chassam Sefer. During the lifetime of the Chassam Sefer, the reform movement began, but it wasn't so strong. After he passed away, then it became even stronger. So the Maharam Shik, who was a student of the Chassam Sefer, and the Ksav Sefer, who was the son of the Chassam Sefer, they were the ones who the main uh, Rabbanim who were fighting with all the Hungarian rabbis, they were fighting reform in Hungary. So one of the Talmidim of the uh, Maharam Sheikh, who was in uh, Rabbanis in Hungary, was successful fighting reform, but he didn't enjoy it. So he was offered a position of Rabbanis in the late 1800s in Eretz Yisrael. He should sit and learn and give shiurim and paskan shailas and live in Eretz Yisrael. So he felt Mahmish Ganeidim. So he uh, packed all of his uh, things and he's ready to move to Eretz Yisrael. And he sent a letter to his rabbi, to the Maram Sheikh, he wants a blessing over the move. So the Maram Sheikh writes him back a letter that's included in Shalas Shuvas, the end of Yeridea, the section where it has all the dinam about Eretz on Yeridea. He says, I can't give you a bracha, <coughs> it's Keneged Adin. You're not allowed to leave. And he says, the rabbi is like the captain of the ship, and general in the army, the whole story, the whole Chagadya. And uh, you're not allowed to leave, because how do you know what's going to be after you leave? Maybe the next rabbi will not be successful in fighting the reform. And he tells a story that they say they don't have any other source, uh, his, historical source for this story, that the Chassam uh, Seifer was, uh, was oh, this we know, he was brought up in Frankfurt, and he signs all of his chubas, Moshe HaKot, in Frankfurt. And he was a rabbi in Hungary, so how did the Yeke work in there, uh, a rabbi in Hungary? So he always wanted to go back to Frankfurt. He always wanted to go back. So he was offered, after being a rabbi in uh, Pressburg for many years, he was offered a rabbonus, in Frankfurt, so he was going to leave. He was going to go back to Frankfurt. And then the Balabatim in Pressburg heard about it, so they came to his home and they pleaded with him he shouldn't leave. If he's going to leave, maybe the next rabbi will not be successful in fighting the reform. So he said that didn't occur to him and he felt obligated to stay. So he never went back to Frankfurt, even though that's what he really wanted for many years before. So that's what Rab Salvechik used to say for many years. He felt that, uh, like Rabbi Shmuel, were in Eretz Yisrael. They were learning in Eretz Yisrael and they went to Babel to establish yeshivas in two different cities and each one was successful in his own way. So to uh, Rab Salvechik thought today, like the Maram Shik writes, that all the Rabbanim who are, um, who are accomplishing, if they're successful in the rabbinate, so they should stay uh, to, uh, to be machzik teira and chutz <coughs> So this we all agree. So the Abed has this tshuva that uh, there certainly is a mitzvah to live in Eretzot today and he disagrees with everything the Megillah says to wrote. He said Megillah says to totally missed the whole hasog of the Ramban. He thought the hasog of the Ramban was why the Ram didn't count the mitzvah of Hakam Samadina. That the Ramam did count. The hasog was why the Ram didn't count the mitzvah to live in Eretzot. He says there is a mitzvah to live in Eretzot. He gives, he gives a different reason why the Ram didn't count it. He develops the whole theme. He says, whenever you have two mitzvahs, one mitzvah leads to another. So that's like a kefala mitzvah. So the Ramam is not going to count it twice. So we have the Ramam counted mitzvah, hachrim tachrimim. When you come to Eretzel, you have to wipe out the Zayinumis. What do you have to wipe out? Going to wipe out Zayinumis, then we're going to move back to Burapak. It doesn't make sense. You wipe out the Zayinumis, you should, st- you should live there in Eretzel. So since the mitzvah, hachrim tachrimim, leads, leads up to the mitzvah of living in Eretzel, so that's why the Ram didn't count it as two mitzvahs. It's a kefala mitzvah. The Rama has one of the klolim. If you have a pasig written five times, you don't count it five times as five mitzvah. A kefala mitzvah only counted once. So this, we assume there really is a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael. <coughs> um, what if a person only goes to visit Eretz Yisrael? Is that also a mitzvah? Does he have partial uh, schar? 
So the Magen Avram in Hilchas Erev Shabbos quotes the Machlokes from the Knesset Sagdoli. Is there a partial mitzvah? The mitzvah Bishlei Musa is to live in Eretz and to do something productive for the for the Jewish economy in Eretz Yisrael, for the Jewish uh, country, to build it up. Just to live in Eretz Yisrael, if it's a, if it's not a, a Jewish economy, it's not a Jewish country. Just to live over the money that you get from Chutzlar, so that's what the Abdenezer has his famous chuva that that's not a mitzvah. Unless a Jewish economy, so you're helping out the economy by spending your money there. So the, uh, there's a din in the Gemara that's quoted in the Shulchan Aruch that one is not permitted to go on a boat trip three days before Shabbos unless you're going to Dvar Mitzvah. Different reasons why, but that's a din in Shulchan Aruch. So what's considered a Dvar Mitzvah? So if a person is going to move to Eretz Yisrael, that's a Dvar Mitzvah. So Nogan Avron quotes the Machloikas from the Knesset What if the person is just going to tour Eretz Yisrael and he plans to move back to Chutzalar? Is that a partial Kim mitzvah or not? Are you permitted to go on a boat trip? Today no one's going to go by boat. You're going to go by plane. You can go, Mamash. I arrive every, every so often, Erev Shabbos, and Eretz Zon is not a problem. This, uh, this din only applied years ago for various reasons. Why not like, go on a boat three days before Shabbos? doesn't apply today. So that's a machlekes in the Magadabah. What's the reason why some are of the opinion that there's a partial mitzvah to visit Eretz Yisrael? So it's based on the concluding Pasuk in Shira Sanzino. The Pasuk says there will be a terrible holocaust and people will be wondering the Omru The people will ask where was God when all of this was happening? That's exactly what happened during the holocaust. They said where was the God of the Jewish people when all this was happening? Then the Pasuk says HaKadosh Baruch Hu will end this holocaust and then the Jews will return back to Eretz So Rashi says, Pshuto Shal Mikra, means HaKadosh Baruch Hu will appease Admasa, he will appease his land. HaKadosh Baruch Hu will appease Eretz Yisrael. For so many years it was in a state of Churban. And then it was built up after the Holocaust was over. And Bechipa Amma, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will appease his nation. The Jewish people are rebuilding. The people were penniless when, when they came to America. And then they became multimillionaires and everybody raised families and so on. We overcame, those who survived, overcame all of the Tzoros. So the Rashi in his commentary on Chumash writes, the Pshut HaShal Mikra, the Chippa Admasa Amah, HaKadosh Bochah will appease his land, he'll appease Eretz Yisrael, he will appease the Jewish people. But then the Gemara has an additional level of interpretation, and Amiki Yetzim De Pshut, the Pshut is correct, but the additional level of interpretation is also correct. HaKadosh Baruch Hu dictated the Chumash to Moshe Rabbein in such a way that there's more than one intention. The author had more than one intention at the time that he dictated to Moshe Rabbein. So the addition level of interpretation is V'chipa Admasai Amai that the Jews who live in Eretz Yisrael get a Mechilas Avainas. And the Gemara has an expression, one who walks Dalan Amas in Eretz Yisrael gets a Mechilas Avainas. So that's what the Bagan Abraham quotes from the Knesset Sagdol. If a person goes to tour Eretz Yisrael and he walks Dalan Amas, then he goes back to America he has a partial kima mitzvah because it's uh, it's mechilos uh, avonis. So some are of the opinion that if you just go, you walk down Amis, you come back on the next plane to Chutzlort, you already have a kima mitzvah. Others disagree and they say no. The Gemara in Baba Basra has there are certain dinim that depend on living in a in a city for for thirty days, and the other dinim depend on living in the city for twelve months. So some poskim are of the opinion there's only a partial kima mitzvah if you live in Eretz Yisrael for a minimum of 30 days and others say there's a partial kima mitzvah if you live in Eretz Yisrael for, for at least a, a year. Yud Beis Chodesh. 
just walked out an Amid, that's a different thing. That's the Chippah, Abbas Amid, that's Mechilas Avainas, but it's not a partial Kiyam Amitz. So let's say if a person is taking a sabbatical, a person is going to learn in Eretzel for a year, and he's not coming back for Pesach, he's going to stay there for a whole year. So if he can make the ticket for slightly more than a year, slightly less than a year, so he should try to make it for slightly more than a year. If a person is going to Eretzel for approximately a month, and he can make a ticket either for slightly more than a month or less than a month, he should make it for slightly more than a month, because some postcom are of the opinion that there's only a partial Kim mitzvah, if you live in Eretzel temporarily for 30 days, and others say if you live in Eretzel for, uh, for at least Yud Beis Chodesh. <coughs> when a plane takes off, the common practice is that we all say Tfilas Adera, like if you go on any trip, the Raga Chava was famous, he had his Chiddush based on the Gemara, the Gemara in the end of Chudlan, Perk Shiloh HaKan. The Gemara says that Ki Koryu Lefanecha Kansipa Baderech, Baderech Elo Ba'avir. If you're flying in the middle of the year, how, what the Gemara meant, I'm not sure. If you're flying in the middle of the year and you happen to bump into a Kansipa, so there's no mitzvah, Shiloh HaKan. So he says, since the Chachamim were Mesach and Tfilus HaDerech, and the Gemara says the word Derech in Biblical Hebrew means Derech Elo Ba'avir, so when you go by plane, you don't say Tfilus HaDerech. We don't assume like that. Everybody does say Tfilus HaDerech when you go by plane. When you say the Tfilus HaDerech, so some have the practice, many G'dolem have the practice, if you're going to go on a trip, you say Tfilus HaDerech before you even take off. I plan to drive to Boston, so before I even turn on the ignition in the car, I already say Tfilus HaDerech. Most people don't do that. Most people say the Tfilus HaDerech when they leave the city. Here, by the, uh, the Tfilus HaDerech, by a plane trip, I think they assume that the biggest sakana is when the plane is before it takes off. So you should really say, uh, as the plane is taxiing, as it's about to take off, that's probably the best time to say the Tfilah There's an issue of minyanim on the airplane. Every couple of years, different gedolim, different sadikim are always uh, commenting that they think it's highly improper. Uh, that uh, people organize minyanim on the plane, they wake everybody up and they get in the way of the stewardesses and they get in the way people want to use the, the restroom in the back. I think it's terrible. I don't, I don't like it. But uh, whenever I, I go to Eretzis, so there's always some good Samaritan. He says, oh, Rabbi Shechter, there's a minion in the back. Because <laughs> I got no choice. I have to go to the minion. But I, I, I can't dab him with the minion. Dab him so quickly anyway. So I'm... I'm there from the beginning of the first minute till the end of the third minute. So, till I dive in, and that's what's skipping also. That's I skip every other uh, paragraph in the Pesuk of the Zimmer. I, I think it's more correct that people should sit in their seat and they should davish sitting also. If you're traveling, you can davish in a sitting position as well. It's not right, unless some of the planes have a special uh, location in the back for the, okay? Some of the planes have a special uh, location to daven, so it's okay. A lot of people, uh, when you go to Eretzal, a lot of people go to sleep and they wake up. And then they start davening shachas when they wake up. But they're davening shachas, it's a very time to daven mincha. You're going east. So the shkia keeps on getting earlier, earlier. And man, all the zman keep on becoming an hour earlier, an hour earlier, earlier. So by the time they wake up, they already missed the zman tefillah. We assume, based on Gemara's in the end of Shabbos, if you're high up, if you're in a very high elevation, the Zmanim are determined by uh, sea level. Wherever the Zman would be below you, the Zmanim, uh, they should they should uh, before they go to sleep, not after they wake up. The Gemara has a Takana after the destruction of the second Ishamigdash, the Tanoim made a Takana that you have to rip Kriya over the three different Chorbanas, 
is it then that when you see Yerushalayim b'chorban you have to recreate when you see the Beis Hamikdash in the state of Chorban you have to recreate when you see Ori Yehuda b'chorbanam you have to recreate and each time you recite a different pasuk. Uh, what exactly does that mean if you see Ori Yehuda b'chorbanam? So years ago, where uh, Beis Lechem used to be under control of the Jewish uh, army. And then the government gave it over to the control of the Palestinian authorities. At that time, I think the chief rabbi, the Sephardic chief rabbi was Martha Eliyahu. So they quoted him in the newspapers that he said that now when you go visit Beis Lechem, you go to visit Kever So you have to rip Korea. So the, in the media, they were attacking him. Why he's taking a stand on a political issue? He wasn't taking a stand on a political issue. He's just saying it didn't. The Kozman is under Jewish control. It's considered... The binyanoi, when you give it, a, when it's under non-Jewish control, then it's considered bichorbanoi. What it says in the Magan Avram, Magan Avram quotes from an earlier pasuk. Or Yehuda, let's say there are, there are cities in Eretz Yehuda, where all all the inhabitants, all the people are Jewish who live there. But it's under non-Jewish control. So the Magan Avram quotes the earlier pasuk to say that even though the city, the overwhelming majority of the population of the city is Jewish. <laughs> But it's under non-Jewish control. That's considered Ari Yehuda bichur banam. So the poskim assume it's not exactly the same. Poskim assume if it would be the reverse, if it would be, let's say, Beis Lechem, there are only Arabs there. There are no Jews there. So it's all Arabs. But, but if it's under Jewish control, then it's called Bibinyanai. doesn't really say that. Maybe you need both. Maybe you need the majority of the population should be Jewish and it should be under Jewish control. But that's what they were assuming for many years. Any city or Yehuda even if it's all, uh, all the inhabitants are non-Jews, but if it's under Jewish control, that's considered Dibinyan. But once they gave over uh, Beis Lechem to the Palestinian Authority, that's under non-Jewish control. The inhabitants are non-Jews, they're Arabs, and it's under Arab control, then it's considered Bechorbanim. So Rabbat Chaliyo just said what it says in Shulchan Now when you visit, you have to recreate. He didn't, he didn't say you have to recreate over the government's decision to give it to the Palestinians. <laughs> he wasn't talking about the government's decision, he was just saying what the din is. Once under non-Jewish control, after Rib Kriyas, consider our Yehuda Bechorbanam. Rab Tzvi Yehuda Kuk was of the opinion that this applies to the Makam HaMikdash as well. So he was of the opinion that since after Mohammed Shesha Tayamim, the Makam HaMikdash is under Jewish control, so you don't, uh, the, so the base HaMikdash is no longer considered Bechorbanam. So you don't have to Rib Kriyas. Rab Salvechik disagreed very strongly about this. He thought it was utterly ridiculous. Beis Hamikdash bebinyanai because under Jewish control, but there's no Beis Hamikdash. Beis Hamikdash bebinyanai means you have a Beis Hamikdash. He disagreed very much. So when I printed this in one of my svarim, so I, I didn't want to write. I didn't want to be mavazim up to Yehuda Cook. So I wrote that one of the young rabbis from the Mizrahi said that you don't have to read So the people from Merkaz Arab came to me and said, "What do you mean, young rabbi? Rabbi Yehuda Cook said that." So I said, "I know, but I didn't want to be mavazim. I didn't want to be mavazim." So I, I, I. I, I I wrote it, uh, I camouflaged it. I said a, a young rabbi from the Mizrahi, he wrote like that, absolutely, he thought that that didn't make sense at all. Beis Hamikdash Bechorbanim means when there's no Beis Hamikdash. Beis Hamikdash Bebinyanim means when you do have a Beis Hamikdash. The question is, what about ripping Kriya over Yerushalayim? Yerushalayim has a double status. Yerushalayim is Mikdash Melechim Melucha. It's officially the official capital of Eretz Yisrael. Uh, the Ramam writes in Paragalov and Hilchas Malochim, he quotes in the Talmud Yerushalmi, Yerushalayim Alpidin is the capital of Eretz Yisrael when you have a Jewish government of the Malchus based David. Only the official government is supposed to use Yerushalayim as the official capital. Official government is the Malchus based David. 
That's why many say that the, the American Congress didn't want the Jewish people to violate the din, so that's why they never wanted to recognize Yerushalayim as the capital of Eretzah, because it's not yet Malchus Dezavad. Apparently now, Mr. Donald Trump knows something that we don't know. He holds that Mashiach is on his way. Melech Mashiach is on his way. We have to establish Yerushalayim as the capital to prepare for the Malchus Dezavad. Okay? So, um... Yerushalayim has a double status. Alpidin, it's officially the capital of Eretzah. Number two, it's the Mokham of the Beis Hamigdash. So Rechik uh, was of the opinion that the Takana of ripping Kriya on the Yerushalayim, Bichorbanai, is because Yerushalayim doesn't, is the Mokham of the Beis Hamigdash. You eat the Korban Pesach, you eat the Kachim Kalim in, in Yerushalayim. So Kolzman, there's no Beis Hamigdash. All of Yerushalayim, even if it's built up with beautiful hotels and whatever, all of Yerushalayim is considered Bichorbanai. Others disagree. The classical poskim, the mission work quotes the classical poskim who think that you rip Kriya on Yerushalayim b'chorbana because it's the Ir Habira, because it used to be the capital. So now it's no longer the capital. So right after, the day after, the government moved some of the uh, offices, I think the Masada Mishpatim was moved right away within a week, a, f- a few days right after the war was over. They moved the Ministry of Justice, was moved to the Ir Atika. So it, it was again the capital. They established it as the capital of Eretz So that's really a question. Those who always follow Rav Salvechik would have to rip Kriya when you come to the, to the old city of Bismanazeh. And those who don't always follow Rav Salvechik, so this is a Suffolk, a Suffolk in Kriya, so you go to Kula. Suffolk in Kriya, go to Kula, it says in Shulchanar. Whenever there's a Suffolk by ripping Kriya, so you go to Kula, number one. The whole mitzvah of Kriya is only with the Rabbanon, it's a Suffolk, the Rabbanon Lekula. Number two, it's a Suffolk, Baltashchis. You're going to rip your begodim. Exactly how does one rip Kriya? So the Gemara draws a distinction between ripping Kriya when a parent uh, dies as opposed to ripping Kriya on other relatives. When one rips Kriya when a parent dies, you have to rip number one, Kolab Godim Sholab, you have to rip all the clothing that he's wearing. And number two, you have to rip Pachigalas Libo. It's not enough just to rip a tefach. When you start ripping Kriya, one has to rip a minimum of tefach. It has to be in a, in a vertical uh, Kriya, not horizontal. And there has to be at least a tefach. But you have to rip Pachigalas Libo. Uh, so that's why the minute developed that when, uh, when one rips Kriya for appearance, he rip on the left side because the heart uh, is on the left side. And by the other relatives, uh, where you don't have to rip Pachigalas Libo, so you rip on the right side. Many Svartim have the meaning just the reverse, that when a parent dies, you rip Kriya on the right side, and when another relative dies, you rip Kriya on the left side. It's not Me'akev. Right side, left side, it's not Me'akev. Remember, I once went to a funeral. So a prominent rabbi had passed away, and his son is a prominent rabbi also. Uh, so the son must have ripped Kriya by mistake on the right side. Then he's going to go up and say, Hesped over his father. Everybody's going to see they ripped Kriya on the wrong side. So he ripped Kriya on the left side also. So he went up, the both lapels were torn. The right side, the left side, everything was torn. Okay. The din is, it's not the Akif. <coughs> so the minig is that when one sees the... Here there's a machloikas, the Ramam and the Raiva. The Gemara says they're ripping Kriya by the, by the Koislam Arabi. If a person hasn't been there in 30 days, so one rips, um, one rips Kriya. So... Um, it's a machlek is the Ramam and the Ravid whether the din of ripping Kriya kolab begodim sholav you rip Kriya all the begodim that you're wearing does that carry over here as well or, or not so where uh, Safik Kriya we go the Kula you have to rip Hachigala Sliboy yeah they have in the uh, someone uh, 
Rabbi Horowitz, uh, who was a Talmud of the Stipula for 50 years, as a teenager, he, he learned in the Stipula's class in Bnei Brak, and then he maintained contact for 40, 50 years after. So he wrote every sneeze about the Stipula. How many times he went to the bathroom on Yom Kippur? And he watched his hands till here, till here. It's a little uh, ridiculous. But he writes all the Hanhogas of the Stipula. So he writes that when the Stipula's wife passed away, so Rabbi Yashiv came from Yerushalayim to be Menachem Oval because his daughter was married to Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky. So Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky's mother had died. So he ripped Kriya on the lapel. People usually rip Kriya on the lapel. So when the lapel is folded over, so the top part, when you rip Kriya, you have the bottom part of the garment is covering up the same part of the body that the top part covers up. So when you rip Kriya, you rip down the lapel. So you're not Megala anything. You're not Megala any part of the body. Because it's a double, it's the same garment. Um, and this only covers over the bottom part of the garment. So Rav, so Rav, uh, Rav Yashiv told Rav Chaim Kanievsky he thinks he should rip Kriya again. You have to rip over here. Not enough just to rip the lapel because you're not Megala any part of the body. Rabchan Kanievsky stood up. You have to rip Chris, then I'm stood up. And he ripped uh, the beggar like this. Uh, the stipula was hard of hearing, so he didn't hear the whole topic. It was his wife who died, it wasn't the parents. So he didn't have to rip by Chigalasli, but he only had to rip a tefel. So he ripped the head tefel. He didn't hear the whole conversation. So he didn't, he, it didn't apply to him. It was his wife who passed away. So he just saw Rabbi Yashin made his son rip again, so he stood up and he ripped again also. But it's an interesting comment that uh, if you have to rip by Chigala Sliba and you rip just the lapel, so you're not Megala anything, you're not Megala any part of the body. The Gemara says when you rip Kriya, you don't rip on a beggar Zaya. That's on an undershirt. That's a beggar Zaya, you don't rip Kriya. And then you don't rip Kriya on a beggar Shalkovit. If it's only, a, let's say, a, a person wears a kapata. So he doesn't wear the kapata all day long. <coughs> he. Uh, when he davens, when he say, when he put on a jacket, we li- we have central heating in all of our homes, so we don't wear a jacket to keep warm. We wear a jacket when you daven. We wear a jacket when you see a business uh, meeting, out of respect for the other person. You don't wear it to keep yourself warm. So uh, many hold that you don't rip kriya on a jacket. You don't rip kriya on an undershirt. What about ripping kriya on an arba compass? So that's a machlokes. So then it's if writes in his tshuva that when his mother passed away, he didn't rip kriya on the Arba Kampfus, on the Begit Cotton, because uh, he thought that it's only L'Shem Mitzvah, it's like a beggar L'Shem Kovit. It's not really a beggar that he ke- wears to keep his body warm, he wears the L'Shem Mitzvah. He's only left with the shirt. The many posts come hold that the shirt is also a beggar Zaya. Every day he changes his shirt. So some hold the shirt is a beggar Zaya, so there's nothing to rip Kriyan. So, um, <laughs> that's a question, how do you rip Kriyan? So by, by other the emo, the din requires you have to rip kriya kol abgadim shalom. So the common practice is that if it's a man, the man rips kriya on the jacket and on the shirt. The common practice is we don't rip kriya on the abakamphis, even though there are those who disagree with it. It's we don't rip kriya on the undershirt. If it's a different relative who dies, you're only going to rip one beggar. So that's the question. You're going to rip the jacket. The jacket probably is a beggar covered. We don't wear the jacket. We have central heating. We don't wear the jacket to keep warm. The only wear the jacket when we uh, when we when we meet the Adam Chasha, when you go daven, you wear a beggar, you wear a jacket. But uh, so that's the shaila. If you're only going to rip one beggar when you go to the Kosla Maravi, so we don't follow that opinion. You have to rip Kriya Kolab Godim Shaolav. You only rip one beggar. 
So the one beggar that you're going to rip, the pashtas is it shouldn't be the jacket because the jacket is, uh, is only the covered the alma, beggar covered. You should probably rip on the shirt. Chacham has an interesting tshuva. He uh, discusses a situation where a person uh, sees l- live telecasting from the Kaislam Aravi. He's watching what's happening right now by the Kaislam Aravi. So is that considered as if you're seeing the Kaislam Aravi and you have to rip Kriya or not? If they show you, they show you a video, so that was something that happened 50 years ago, so that's not, you're not seeing, you're seeing a photograph, but it's a live broadcast, maybe that's considered uh, seeing the Kaislam Aravi. So he writes, he's Masupik what the din is, so he says if a person hasn't been by the Kaslam Arabi in 30 days and he sees a live broadcast, he says, Mitam Sufik, he doesn't have the Rip Kriya. But then if he goes to Eretz within 30 days, if he goes to Eretz within 30 days, and maybe it did count when he saw the live broadcast, maybe it did count, so he doesn't have the Rip Kriya because he, was, he just saw the Kaslam Arabi within 30 days. So uh, he thinks in such case he should go to Kula, he shouldn't Rip Kriya. Uh, there's clearly a meaning by the Kosla Maravi that people who go for the first time on Erev Shabbos in the afternoon don't rip Kriya. So all of the posts can say that this is incorrect. It's, uh, it's uh, based on a mistake. So Moshe Feinstein writes in his Chubas, it's based on a mistake, but you should ascertain if it's really the meaning, which it clearly is. And then he says you should follow the meaning. Others say, why? It's absolutely incorrect. The mistake comes from the following. There is a din that one does not observe Abelus on Yonta for on Chalamoid. So let's say someone dies on, on Chalamoid, so the Kvura takes place on Chalamoid, but they don't begin Shiva till after Yonta Vizovim. They don't begin counting the Shiva till after Yonta Vizovim. And if the people started Shiva before, so when Yonta comes and cancels the Shiva, and if the middle of Shloshim, when Yonta comes and cancels the Shloshim, because on Yonta there's a mitzvah, Esed the Rabbim of Simcha. Simchas Yontif and Esed Diyachar of Avelis, Asi Esed the Rabbin, Dachi Esed Diyachar. The mitzvah Sesi of Simchas Yontif takes precedence over the mitzvah of Avelis. So there is a big dispute in Rishonim. What about Erev Pesach after Chatzos? So we call holiday of Pesach, we call it Pesach. In the Chumash, that's called Chagamatzis. In the Chumash, Chaga Pesach is Erev Pesach after Chatzos, when you bring the Hakrovas carbon Pesach. What we call Pesach and the Chumash is called Chagamatzis. So Tesis is of the opinion that only when Yontif Pesach enters, what we call Pesach. Er Pesach is not a Yontif. And uh, one has to observe Avelis just like Erev Shabbos. Every, every, every Yontif, Erev Yontif, so Erev Pesach is the same as Erev Shabbos. One observes Avelis till, till it is late as uh, one can, till the end of the day. And then the Yontif is going to cancel uh, the Shiva, Yontif is going to cancel the Shlosh. And uh, the Orzarua, one of the later Balayatais, disagrees and is of the opinion that two different Yamatayim. Pesach is the same as Shavuos and Sukkis. But Erev Pesach in the afternoon is Chag Pesach, so that uh, at Chatzais it cancels the Shiva, it cancels the Shloshim, because Erev Pesach is already Ayantim. So we know the Gemara has a rule whenever there's a Machloikas and Hilchas Avelis, you go Lakula. Even if the opinion is Mekel is a minority opinion, if there's any Sophie called the house, so one goes Lakula in Avelis. Um, so that's the common Psak for Ashkenazim. I don't know about Svartim, Ashkenazim. That's there are more quotes this. That we follow the Ozarua Lahakel, that we don't observe 
uh, we don't observe Abim. If one is in the middle of Shiva, so it comes Chatzos and Erev Pesach, that's already Yontav, so you have to terminate the Shiva before Chatzos, and if one is in Shloshim, when it comes Chatzos, Erev Pesach, that terminates uh, the Avelis. So the Pischit writes in Yeridea that many people make a mistake, they think that this carries over to every other Erev Yontav, Erev Rosh Hashanah, and Erev Yom Kippur, and Erev uh, Sukkot, and Erev uh, Shavuos, that's a mistake, and Erev Shabbos, I live in Washington Heights, so there was a period of time that Rabbi Schwab was uh, the rabbi there in the community. So everybody knew he was going to come be Menachem Abba Friday afternoon, 2 o'clock. Because people make a mistake. They think every Arab Shabbos he called the quits at Chatzai. So everybody knew Rabbi Schwab was going to come at 2 o'clock to tell them that they have to observe Avelis till late in the day. There is no such thing. That's a carryover from Arab Pesach and that's a mistake. So this din that one doesn't observe Avelis, that's only one doesn't observe Avelis on Chalamoid. Let's say someone dies and they bury him on Chalamoid. So you rip Kriya, the relatives rip Kriya. The Gemara says that Kriya is not a form, Kriya is not an aspect of Avelis. So one does, you don't rip Kriya on Shabbos and but one does rip Kriya on Chalamoid. Uh, but the Morgan Avram says they're ripping Kriya over the coastal Amaravi and Ari Yehuda Bechorbanam, that's a Nihug Avelis. So he says, if it's Chalamoid, the first time you go is Chalamoid, then he says, one would not, one would not rip Kriya or Ketanim, uh, children before Bar Mitzvah. So if the child is old enough to understand that a parent died or a sibling died, someone dies, he's old enough. So if he's a Gil so you have to train the child that he should rip Kriya. But you don't do Kriya on Avelus. Strictly speaking, there's no, there's no Chinuch. There's no Chinuch uh, on Avelus. There is Chinuch on ripping Kriya, but there's no Chinuch on Avelus. So uh, the Magen Avram says, but ripping Kriya by the Kosel Marabi, these Kriyas are Yehuda B'chorbanim and Yir Atikan and Beis Hamikdash B'chorbanim. This is a form of Nihu Gavela. So if the child is a cotton, so then he doesn't rip Kriya. Or if it's Chalamod, you don't rip Kriya. So if if Erev Pesach in the afternoon, and we assume in Shulchan Aruch that one we follow the Orzarul Hak that one doesn't observe Avelus. Erev Pesach after Chatzos because it's Chag Pesach, it's not Chag Matzus, but it's Chag Pesach. So one would not rip Kriya if you go to the Kosel Amarabi on Erev Pesach in the afternoon. So they made a mistake, just like in Hilchas Avelis, they carried over yeah. this Kula from Erev Pesach after, after Chatzos to every Shabbos, every Yontas. Some even, I remember once, went to be Menachem Ola by, uh, by uh, a certain Balabas. So I went to his home on Friday morning. That was Mama's reason like Dimel Mitzvah. He went to work that day. He was in the middle of Shiva. He thought uh, Arab Shabbos, starting from the morning. He davened. I came around 10 o'clock. There was nobody home. He went to work. He was going to sit Shiva on Sunday. He was going to continue seeing Shiva. People think that Arab Shabbos, you know, that's a total mistake. But even Arab Shabbos after Chazes is also a mistake. So ripping Kriya by the Kosla Marave, Arab Pesach in the afternoon, that is correct. That since we assume there's no Nihu Gavelis, Erev Pesach in the afternoon, and a ripping Kriya by the Kosel is a form of, of Nihu Gavelis, so that's why one would not rip, just like, one would not rip the Kriya on Erev Pesach. But every Shabbos, Erev Yontev, that's not really right. The Gemara says in Baba Basra that if the living conditions in Eretz Yisrael are, are really uh, extremely uncomfortable, so then one is permitted to leave Eretz Yisrael. If there's a Shnas Batsoris, Avram Avinu comes to Eretz Yisrael, Kodesh Baruch doesn't come to Eretz Yisrael, and he comes and he robbed so he left. So the, um, 
the Gemara in Baba Basra quoted by the Rambam in Hilchas Malachim the Gemara says in Baba Basra in the Megillas Rus that we read on Shavuos so we read the terrible tragedy about uh, Naomi that her, uh, her children died at a young age and never had any children of their own and the whole tragic story so what Avera did they do that they were punished for so the Gemara said Avera was that they left Eretz Yisrael but, it was like, but there was a famine so they had a right to leave so the Gemara says the Pasuk says in Miguel Asrus that they were Ephrasim what do you mean Ephrasim? so Rashi has two pshat and one pshat Ephrasim anashim chashuvim so the Gemara has a concept that appears quite a few times in the Talmud Babli the Shach points out in Yeridea in one place in Hilchas Rives that it never appears in the Yerushalmi but we in Shulchanach they pass them like the Babli that there is a concept of Adam Choshuv Shaini. A person is an Adam Choshuv has to be Machmer on different things. You have it by Bishalakom, you have it by different, uh, very many different areas. The Balabatim look up to the rabbi and they think the rabbi uh, is, is supposed to be more Machmer than everybody else. Whatever the rabbi does, the Balabatim will observe 10 Madregas lower. So the rabbi will just follow what the din is, so the Balabatim will be, will be Mizalsam and some of the din. So the Anoshim Chashuvim, Adam Chashu Shani, has to be more machmer on certain things. So it says in the Megillah Rus that the, the Omi and her family were Ephrosim, they were Anoshim Chashuvim. So the Ramam quotes the Gemara Baba Basra, they shouldn't have left. Even though it was a, if it was a Shnaz Batzar, they shouldn't have left, they should have stayed in Eretz Yisrael. Because because of them, everyone looked up to them, so everybody was Mazals, and a lot of people left when it was too early for them. I remember once I was uh, I spoke in um, Los Angeles for the OU. Every year they have something at the end of December, between December 25th and January 1st. They have public shiurim, and then I was going to I, w- I went on an LL flight from Los Angeles. We're going to stop in New York and go to Eretz Yisrael. We're going to go visit the different yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael for uh, for the yeshiva for YU. So uh, I was sitting. There. It took a while till the plane took off. So I was sitting on the plane. Said so somebody from the from the business class went to the back to use the restroom he looked very familiar I didn't remember exactly how he was wearing uh, torn jeans and he was wearing uh, sneakers without any socks so when he came back from the restroom to the front so he says to me hi hi Reb Shalom Aleichem he learned the Mashiach a long time he learned the Mashiach must have been 45 years ago and uh, so I said what do you do for a living so he's a radiologist and he lived he used to live in Los Angeles and, um, and he tells me he used to make $2 million a year. Is it possible? As radiologist, $2 million a year. And he says he, he decided to move to Eretz He has a wife and a family. He moved to Eretz He moved to Savyan, where all the poor people live, I understand. <laughs> he bought a home in Savyan. And he only makes a half million dollars a year. And he says his wife can't yet get used to living in poverty. So I was going to give him, I was going to give him a five dollar bill to buy, <laughs> to buy a pair of socks. Never. So he had to, he had to come back to Los Angeles to see can he get back a job? Can he can he move back to America? Because he can't make a living in Eretz That's um, that's not right. If a, <coughs> if a person has a, if a person has an opportunity to live in Eretz and to live a reasonable life. He's not going to be suffering. That's talk in the mitzvah. We all have a mitzvah. We should all live in Eretz Yisrael. If, if, if it's going to be abnormal, he's going to have to live off of charity. So that's not a mitzvah. There's no mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael if you're going to live off of uh, welfare, to live off of tzedakah. 
But if you'd be able to make a reasonable parnasa, or you can retire with the, with the money that you have in America, and now it's a Jewish economy, so even though you're not earning the money in Eretzel, but you're spending it, so you're helping out the economy, so that certainly is, uh, there certainly definitely is a mitzvah to live <coughs> in Eretzel. So, in fact, there is a discussion in the Paskim, the Ramo has a clown, that uh, one is not obligated to spend more than one, one, uh, more than one-fifth of one's total savings, to do any specific mitzvah. Let's say a person is in uh, Alaska, Hawaii, I don't know, on Erev uh, Sukkot, and he doesn't have Dalaminim. So the only way to get Dalaminim is if he makes a phone call and he spends $100,000 to get the Dalaminim for the first day Sukkot. So if, if it's more than Chaymish, more than one-fifth of his total uh, savings, then he's not Mechuyiv. If it's less than one-fifth, he is Mechuyiv. So some posts can say that that doesn't apply to the mitzvah of moving to Eretz Yisrael, because it means you'll never do the mitzvah. If in Europe, that case like that, in, a, in order to be able to move to Eretzel, they have to blow in more than one-fifth of the total savings in order to travel to Eretzel. So what's the alternative? You live in Chutzel, you never do the mitzvah. So they say that's not the same. If this year you don't have Dalaminim, so next year you'll have Dalaminim. So last year you had Dalaminim. You, you fulfilled the mitzvah other years. This year you won't fulfill. But if it's a mitzvah that's... Uh, once in a lifetime, and you just won't fulfill a mitzvah at all. So some of the Paskim say, even to spend more than one chaymish, more than one-fifth of one's total savings. We should all, uh, we really, none of us belong here. We all really belong in Eretz Yisrael. Those who are um, preventing, we all think that, well, the rabbis think that they're so indispensable. They're all saving the world from intermarriage and from, uh, and so on, and uh, assimilation. So those who are accomplishing, okay, should stay in Chutzlot. But uh, whoever is not in that Bechina, uh, really, we all should consider there's really a mitzvah in to live in Eretz Yisrael. We have to thank HaKadosh Baruch that He gave us. We live in a generation that He gave us the opportunity to live in Eretz Yisrael. I remember years ago, before they introduced the system that everybody goes to learn in Eretz Yisrael in between high school and college. So we were learning every day in Rabbi Salvechik's class. So he came to discuss a certain din in Shulchan Aruch. He said, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever visited Eretz Yisrael? Nobody. A class of 30, 35, but nobody raised their hand. Nobody had even visited Eretz Yisrael. He said, he visited Eretz Yisrael and he knows about Tzvat. He said, yes, if Kara lived in Tzvat and, uh, and it's on top of a mountain and you have to pay the Arabs to bring up water and that's why it says in Shulchan Aruch that uh, if you have to do Hagola and the Kalim, it's not called the Dovashesh Matir and you have to spend money. He says, it doesn't apply in America. We don't have to spend money to get water in order to cash the kale. So he was explaining a din in the Shulchan Aruch, and he said, none of us have visited Eretz Now, Baruch Hashem, everybody has visited Eretz We know what it's all about. We should all really consider uh, fulfilling this mitzvah like all the other mitzvahs. Have a good niyantif.